Chapter Three of Gunman's Reckoning by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. But even though this major step was accomplished successfully, Lefty Joe was not the man to abandon caution in the midst of an enterprise. The roar of the train would have covered sounds ten times as loud as those of his snaky approach. Yet he glided forward with as much care as though he were stepping on old stairs in a silent house. He could see a vague shadow, Donnegan, but chiefly he worked by that peculiar sense of direction which some people possess in dim light. The blind, of course, have that sense in a high degree of sensitiveness, but even those who are not blind may learn to trust the peculiar and inverted sense of direction. With this to aid him, Lefty Joe went steadily, slowly, across the first and most dangerous stage of his journey. That is, he got away from the square of the open door, where the faint starlight might vaguely serve to silhouette his body. After this, it was easier work. Of course, when he alighted on the floor of the car, the knife had been transferred from his teeth to his left hand, and all during his progress forward, the knife was being balanced delicately, as though he were not yet quite sure of the weight of the weapon, just as a prize-fighter keeps his deadly, poised hands in play, moving them as though he fears to lose his intimate touch with them. This stalking had occupied a matter of split seconds. Now Lefty Joe rose slowly. He was leaning very far forward, and he warded against the roll of the car by spreading out his right hand close to the floor. His left hand he poised with the knife, and he began to gather his muscles for the leap. He had already taken the last preliminary movement. He had swung himself to the right side a little, and, lightening his left foot, had thrown all his weight upon the right. In fact, his body was literally suspended in the instance of springing, cat-like, when the shadow which was Donnegan came to life. The shadow convulsed, as shadows are apt to swirl in a green pool when a stone is dropped into it, and a bit of board two feet long and some eight inches wide cracked against the shins of Lefty Joe. It was about the least dramatic weapon that could have been chosen under those circumstances, but certainly no other defense could have frustrated Lefty's spring so completely Instead of launching out in a compact mass, whose point of contact was the reaching knife, Lefty crawled stupidly forward on his knees, and had to throw out his knife hand to save his balance. It is a singular thing to note how important balance is to men. Animals fight, as a rule, just as well on their backs as they do on their feet. They can lie on their sides and bite. They can swing their claws even while they are dropping through the air. But a man needs poise and balance before he can act. What is speed in a fighter? It is not so much an affair of the muscles as it is the power of the brain to adapt itself instantly to each new move and put the body in a state of balance. In the prize ring, speed does not mean the ability to strike one lightning blow, but rather that, having finished one drive, the fighter is in position to hit again and then again, so that no matter where the impetus of his last lunge 
has placed him, he is ready and poised to shoot all his weight behind his fist again and drive it accurately at a vulnerable spot. Individually, the actions may be slow, but the series of efforts seem rapid. This is why a superior boxer seems to hypnotize his antagonist with movements which to the spectator seem perfectly easy, slow, and sure. But if Lefty lacked much in agility, he had an animal-like sense of balance. Sprawling, helpless, he saw the convulsed shadow that was Donnegan take form as a straight shooting body that plunged through the air above him. Lefty Joe dug his left elbow into the floor of the car and whirled back upon his shoulder, bunching his knees high over his stomach. Nine chances out of ten, if Donnegan had fallen flatwise upon this alert enemy, he would have received those knees in the pit of his own stomach and instantly been paralyzed. But in the jumping, rattling car, even Donnegan was capable of making mistakes. His mistake in this instance saved his life, for springing too far, he came down not in reaching distance of Lefty's throat, but with his chest on the knees of the older tramp. As a result, Donnegan was promptly kicked head over heels and tumbled the length of the car. Lefty was on his feet and plunging after the tumbling form in the twinkling of an eye, literally speaking, and he was only kept from burying his knife in the flesh of his foe by a sway of the car that staggered him in the act of striking. Donnegan, the next instant, was beyond reach. He had struck the end of the car and rebounded like a ball of rubber at a tangent. He slid into the shadows, and Lefty, putting his own shoulders to the wall, felt for his revolver and knew that he was lost. He had failed in his first surprise attack, and without surprise to help him now he was gone. He weighed his revolver, decided that it would be madness to use it, for if he missed, Donnegan would instantly be guided by the flash to shoot him full of holes. Something slipped by the open door, something that glimmered faintly, and Lefty Joe knew that it was the red head of Donnegan. Donnegan, soft-footed, as a shadow among shadows. Donnegan on a blood trail. It lowered the heartbeat of Lefty Joe to a tremendous slow pulse. In that moment, he gave up hope and resigned himself to die, determined to fight to the last gasp, as became one of his reputation and national celebrity on the road. Yet Lefty Joe was no common man and no common fighter. Now let the shade of Rusty Dick, whom Lefty met and beat in his glorious prime, let this shade arise and speak for the prowess of Lefty Joe. In fact, it was because he was such a good fighter himself that he recognized his helplessness in the hands of Donnegan. The faint glimmer of color had passed the door. It was dissolved in deeper shadows at once and soundlessly. Lefty knew that Donnegan was closer and closer. Of one thing, he felt more and more confident that Donnegan did not have his revolver with him. Otherwise, he would have used it before. For what was darkness to this devil Donnegan? He walked like a cat, and most likely he could see like a cat in the dark. Instinctively, the older tramp braced himself with his right hand, held at a guard before his breast, 
and the knife poised in his left, just as a man would prepare to meet the attack of a panther. He even took to probing the darkness in a strange hope to catch the glimmer of the eyes of Donnegan as he moved to the attack. If there were a hair's breadth of light, then Donnegan himself must go down. A single blow would do it. But the devil had instructed his favorite Donnegan how to fight. He did not come lunging through the shadows to meet the point of that knife. Instead, he had worked a snaky way along the floor, and now he leaped in and up at Lefty, taking him under the arms. A dozen hands, it seemed, laid hold on Lefty. He fought like a demon and tore himself away, but the multitude of hands pursued him. They were small hands. Where they closed, they tore the clothes and bit into his very flesh. Once a hand had him by the throat, and when Lefty jerked himself away, it was with the feeling that his flesh had been seared by five points of red-hot iron. All this time his knife was darting. Once it ripped through cloth, but never once did it find the target. And a half a second later, Donnegan got his hold. The flash of the knife, as Lefty raised it, must have guided the other. He shot his right hand up behind the left shoulder of the other and imprisoned the wrist. Not only did it make the knife hand helpless, but by bearing down with his own weight, Donnegan could put his enemy in most exquisite torture. For an instant they whirled, then they went down, and Lefty was on top, only for a moment. The impetus which had sent him to the floor was used by Donnegan to turn them over, and once fairly on top, his left hand was instantly at the throat of Lefty. Twice Lefty made enormous efforts, but then he was done. About his body the limbs of Donnegan were twisted, tightening with incredible force, just as hot iron bands sink resistlessly into place. The stranglehold cut away life at its source. Once he strove to bury his teeth in the arm of Donnegan, once, as the horror caught at him, he strove to shriek for help. All he succeeded in doing was raising an awful, sobbing whisper. Then, looking death in the face, Lefty plunged into the great darkness. End of chapter 3